Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gillan, and today I've got Kristen Holmes with me, the VP of Performance Science at Whoop. Whoop. Uh, it's awesome to have you. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so awesome. much. Sorry for the technical difficulties we had there, but uh, we're, we're at it, you know. Yeah, if that's all we have to uh, be challenged with today, we're, we're doing all right. <laughs> that's right. You're exactly right. Well, you uh, have an amazing uh, resume, and uh, I'm going to read just a little bit of this stuff just so our, our listeners get a, a little gist of who you are. But I think it's really cool going back even to uh, even before this. But what I have here in college, you were a three-time All-American, two-time Big Ten Athlete of the Year at the University of Iowa makes my cousin Brad happy. He said, I finally, I, I sent him this this morning. He said, you finally got some talent on there, you know, University <laughs> of uh, but competing in both field hockey and basketball, a 2021 University of Iowa Hall of Fame inductee, seven-year member of the U.S. National Field Hockey Team, one of the most successful coaches in Ivy League history, 12 league titles in 13 seasons and a national championship at Princeton. Um, you have an MIT Sloan Artificial Intelligence uh, Certificate, an MA from Psychology and Sports Performance, uh, and Bachelor's of Political Science from Iowa. You are a PhD candidate, and you're just serving the world. It's amazing what you are doing. So thanks for being with us. My question for you, Kristen, if you can, we're going to start off kind of a big, wide question, is what has helped make you the woman you are today? Oh, I think... Uh... Probably being uh, really introspective about the things that I care about and and uh, what I want to think about, how I want to apply my attention, and just ensuring that I'm creating outlets for those things. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think it's and then you know, from a micro perspective, just ensuring that those things that I say I care about, you know, my behaviors are laddering up to that. Um, and I think that for me, that has just been a very simple framework. Um, I think from a very young age that I've just tried to apply consistently. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, how you get to that is, is definitely through awareness and introspection. And I just don't know how we can, as human beings, like, I, I don't know, there, there might be other paths, but I, I think, um, you know, taking the time to really understand how we want to apply our effort and, and the things that we want to think about is is just like such a core stepping stone to like leading a flourishing kind of happy life. Yeah. And, and so obviously you don't just show up to University of Iowa and do all the things you did. So your upbringing was a big part of that. Did Do you think, mm -hmm. did your parents focus a lot on the outcome or more on the effort that you were putting mm -hmm. in? as an athlete? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think you're alluding to process versus outcome. And as a coach, this is something that I think uh, I, I, I thought about a ton as, as a coach and as an athlete. And, um, you know, I would say that because uh, there's real nervous system implications um, to each, uh, which we can certainly talk about, but um, I would say my, my parents uh, were, really just like, let me do my thing. <laughs> I yeah. think my dad, um, my, my, my dad played football at Nebraska, um, you know, a, a big time athlete himself. And I think he really pushed my brother, uh, to play football. And my brother ended up quitting in seventh grade and my you know brother's a few years older than I am. And 
and I think that like really crushed my dad's soul. <laughs> and I, I think like, so when it came to me, he just kind of let me do my thing. Um, and, so, but I was, I think always, uh, I was just really a, a driven kid and I had, you know, a pretty tough household growing up. Um, you know, my mom was, a, a just, she struggled with alcohol her whole life, had a lot of mental health issues. So my dad traveled a lot. So, um, you know, I was, I was pretty unsupervised, <laughs> um, yeah. to be honest. And, you know, I just, I found team sports as, uh, just an unbelievable, uh, home, you know, where mm-hmm. I could be with other folks and, you know, other, other kids, your and, outlet. you know, coaches. Yeah. It was really like my outlet. And, um, so I was always, you know, on as many teams as I could, you know, that would take me and uh, that I could, that I could, you know, walk to, or, you know, find rides to. And, um, yeah. So I, I think from, for, for me, you know, my, uh, I don't know that my my parents really kind of uh, had a lot of influence in terms of process versus outcome, um, but I do know that you know regardless of how I played, you know especially as I got older and it was really competing at higher levels, you know it didn't matter how many goals I scored, how many um, you know uh, baskets I had, like you know it's it was uh, my dad always you know loved me unconditionally. Uh, and, you know, never seemed to place, uh, m- you know, my, my worth on, on my performance that yeah. said I did. Um, right. and it took me a long time to understand that and unravel it and start to, uh, not think about my self-worth in the context of my performance levels. Um, and this was probably one of the harder, you know, when I think about my early adulthood, this was probably one of the the hardest things I had to work through. Yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, but don't you think that also that, that hard being hard on ourselves, that maybe the, there was fear, maybe there was just that pressure. Maybe it was just that desire to be great. Like, don't you think that matters though, too? I mean, you got to want it, right. You got to want to, you got to go take it to the next level. Yeah. I, I think understanding our motivations though is really, is important. You know, like, you know, what, what is driving me? You know, what, am I running from something? Am I running to something? Am I motivated by, motivated by emotions of trust? Am I motivated by emotions of fear? Um, you know, they have two very different um, impacts on our physiology, uh, on our, you know, on our brain. Um, of course, those are interrelated. Um, so I think getting to a a place where you're you're motivated by by trust and and you've got i think uh uh and there's i think some purity in 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 those motivations i, I think that is kind of a sustainable framework whereas mm-hmm. i think operating out of fear um will come at a cost uh eventually and it's yeah. going to rear its head in, in a way that you probably aren't going to be proud of so i i think understanding the the root of emotions and and trying to and I guess a, a very simple example you know am I motivated by motivated by uh you know a, a fear emotion fear-based emotion would be you know jealousy for example um and and you know kind of some of those social comparisons that can that can come towards um or am I motivated by you know a, a love of the sport and and just a, a passion for the technical aspects of, of the sport or, um, you know, try to solve like a, a problem. Um, 
you know, so I, I think understanding those motivations, I think, are are really important um, in terms of uh, just from a health, a mental health perspective. Yeah. So if, if we can, let's dive into your day. I mean, obviously, super busy, the work that you were all doing at Whoop, and, and we'll dive into Whoop here in a second. But if we can talk to us about what's a typical day like for you? I know there's no probably typical day, but the, the no, yeah. the no miss habits that we're seeing that Kristen's doing day in and day out. Uh, yeah. So I guess I'll talk about today. <laughs> um, you know, I woke up at, at 6am. I'm really lucky. I have a, a track right by my house. Um, yeah, 6am, uh, crushed about, I don't know, I guess eight ounces of, of element. <laughs> yeah. uh, so salt my water. Um, and then, uh, hit the track and, and I ran, I don't know, uh, four, four hundreds, uh, eight, two hundreds. And, uh, 10 100s um, and did uh, some core work, some mobility, jogged back home, um, had a protein shake, showered, um, got in the car with my son, uh, drove him to uh, uh, the New England Junior Championships. He's playing uh, in the, P the uh, New England Junior PGA Championship nice. uh, today at Stowe Acres. Yeah. So get some car time with my boy and um, yeah, I dropped him off and then just headed into work. Um, so I, I work in Boston um, and yeah, I think one of the things that I'm, I'm working on, you know, as we kind of are back in the office is just uh, thinking about my movement throughout the day. Um, you know, I might've crushed a workout this morning, but you know, that sedentary behavior is like crushing on, on health and there's more research yeah. kind of coming around there. So yeah, just making sure that I'm, you know, using my standing desk and moving around the office uh, enough throughout the day. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we'll get to think about all sorts of cool problems today. I'm going to give a little lecture to the data science team on physiology. So I'm kind of pumped for that. Um, yeah. And then, uh, so what uh, will be in that, what's in that lecture today? So what, so what are you talking hmm. about with this team? Yeah. That, uh... Yeah. So, so just some basics of, of physiology. So just kind of understanding, um, you know, some of the core components. So, you know, what is homeostasis? You know, uh, why is physiology research interesting? Um, and, you know, why do we care about it at WHOOP? So just kind of helping people understand the research aspect of, of some of the things that we do here here at WHOOP. Um, and then really just kind of um, using the, the, obviously we're a physiological monitoring device, right? So uh, data science team is, is building our algorithm. So, and a lot of those folks don't have backgrounds necessarily in physiology. So, what we're trying to do is just, you know, give them a basic understanding. Um, so kind of a science of WHOOP. So really thinking about physiology through the lens of, of WHOOP, you know, across sleep, strain, and recovery. Um, so they can kind of understand, um, all right, how do, how do certain behaviors uh, drive, um, uh, you know, your internal status? So your ability to kind of maintain homeostasis or adapt to stimulus, um, you know, there are definitely, uh, you know, uh, behaviors that we're driving people towards that will help them uh, be able to adapt to stress in a more functional way. And that's really core to kind of what we're, we do at WHOOP, right? We want to give people information so they insurface data that helps them understand how they're adapting to stimulus. And, um, you know, am I adapting in a functional way? So that is, is you know, the demands um, of my, of the body, of the organism, um, yeah. You know, am I am I kind of um, enabling? Am I living in a way that allows me to kind of match my the demand of my environment? So, kind of understanding that connection. 
um, or, or are there mismatches, you know, and what does non-functional kind of adaptation look like? Um, so yeah, so that's kind of yeah. uh, what the, yeah, the presentation. Will so if you can give us a, give our listeners just the, the whoop commercial, if you will, of what is a whoop, obviously mm. I wear it. It's my sleep, my recovery, my strain, you know, stress, um, yeah. all those great things, but give us, give us the whoop from the inside. What's that commercial and, and what is a whoop? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a 24 seven physiological monitor device. We're aiming to kind of coach you toward behaviors that will help you control the trajectory of your health. Uh, that's really what we're after. Like we want to help you, Brett, um, understand your physiology better so you can um, make choices that will uh, allow you to be more present in, in your life and give you more energy. Um, and um, and ultimately, I think, live your values, kind of to go back yeah. to the very first thing that we talked about. Like, you know, it's all about like, do I have the energy and and the, the presence and the attention um, uh, to be able to uh, do the things that I care about in my life? Um, and really, I think that's that's our kind of our core mission. Um, it's not a watch, uh, so there's no watch face. It's um, and as a result, we're able to put all of our computational power into kind of uh, the fidelity of of collecting every single heartbeat, um, you know, at a at a beautiful sampling rate, um, industry kind of standard. Um, so as a result, our underlying data is really really good and uh, enables us to build features that help you understand um, how you're, uh, you know, how you're sleeping, how you're recovering, and the kind of uh, what type of load you're putting on your body. We help you understand your stress. Um, so we have this really cool new feature yeah. uh, called the stress monitor that helps you understand your, your stress throughout the day. So this is non-activity stress. So not the stress from my track workout, but the stress that um, I'm incurring in other aspects, parts of my day. Um, and we have a strength trainer feature. So, um, where we can actually quantify the neuromuscular load, um, of your, of your workout and feed that into our recovery and, and also kind of help you get credit for those, those strength training workouts, um, right. which is always kind of a pain point for our members because it's very cardiovascular, you know, our strain score is very cardiovascular. And as a result, you know, I do a track workout, I get a 12 strain but I go into the gym and I feel like I crush myself in you know, a similar kind of way, but I only get a seven. And that has always been a little bit of a pain point. But now that we can actually measure your neuromuscular kind of uh, load and, and effort, we're able to actually uh, quantify that and kind of give you uh, commensurate credit uh, for that. And, and I think most importantly, kind of help you understand how you're recovering from that load. Now, I love the stress monitor. I just said this on a podcast the other day. I was talking about it and I actually pulled it up during a podcast where Sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, I got to be sitting, you know, this person was live in the studio with us and it's, you know, I'm, it's, it's nerve wracking. It, it can be all this stuff, right? You could think that's mm -hmm. a high stress situation. Mm -hmm. But when I pulled it up to prove a point and when I'm doing this with clients as well, I was like at a 0.8 on the stress meter, wow. right? which is yeah. low, right? Which for yeah. me, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but that tells me that I'm doing something that I love to do. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm in line with my values. I love sitting mm -hmm. with my clients. I love sitting in the podcast learning. Like mm -hmm. for me, that's a big deal versus something else that could be super stressful. Then I can go back throughout my day and look, where was my mm -hmm. stressful moments? Get more of that on my calendar or less of mm -hmm. that on my calendar. Is that a fair way to be using that? Yeah, I think that's a, a beautiful story. And and yeah, I mean, I think if we how we perceive stress is really, really important and is gonna impact our physiology. It's gonna impact our heart, right? If I perceive that stress to be good, um, you know, I 
am gonna that stress will maybe it could look the same on the graph as if I perceive it bad, but my ability to recover from that stress is um, likely going to be better than if that if I perceive that stress to be bad. So yeah. there's kind of that component that I think is interesting and important for people to understand. Lots of science behind that. Um, um, but I think the other thing too, Brett, is like you, it also might speak to just your fitness level too. So, you know, what might be kind of, even if uh, someone was doing exactly the same thing, let's, so let's say you and I, we're both like loving what we're doing right now. Like this yeah. conversation is like super excited and it's, it's aligned <laughs> with like what we value. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at a, I'm at a point um, three right now. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that is just, um, is your comfort level in the setting is yeah. The alignment, right? Like you're just fully aligned. You have a really good baseline fitness. You know, some people are going to rev higher just because they're not as fit. Right. So, um, so yeah, I think there's like a lot of things kind of happening probably that, um, give you that low stress, but, but yeah, I mean, generally speaking, like, you know, and you have a green recovery today. So your body's like really primed to adapt to all sorts of different types of stimulus today, including kind of the cognitive uh, stimulus. And there is no question that, you know, if you're living your values, you know, your behaviors are, um, you know, aligned with what you say you care about and you're incorporating, you know, uh, different modes of, of exercise and you're, you know, keeping your heart healthy, um, you are going to have a lower stress score. And the other thing that we see correlate with kind of your daytime stress is um, is how you sleep at night. So if you have really, so if your perception, and this is just like, we need to do like a proper study. So this is just anti-data, but it seems that if you perceive stress bad and you've got really bouncy, high stress throughout the day, um, you know, unmanaged stress, that will rear its head in sleep. So when you look at your stress monitor, you want to have a really flat sleep. Like you want to have yeah. really low sleep. So that's something to kind of keep an eye out for. And I noticed for me, when I am not incorporating my breath work, and when I talked about my day, movement's important, and also kind of getting in just five, 30 seconds, uh, five um, uh, sets or reps, I guess, of, of 30 seconds of, of breathing. Um, I try to do that throughout the day to kind of mitigate that negative stress accumulation. Um, so I think if we're, if we're, not managing stress throughout the day proactively, um, it can rear its head in sleep. And that's definitely a, you know, a relationship that we see on stress monitors yeah. is kind of unmanaged daytime stress um, and, and kind of how bouncy your sleep is. Got that, and that's, I love the awareness of that. So that that's helpful. And, and so maybe somebody that doesn't wear a whoop yet, well, hopefully they'll all, they'll all go buy a whoop right now. Right. That's and it, right. you don't yeah. buy this. It's just a monthly fee and you get an unbelievable amount of data. And I, what I love is yeah. I was just with a guy uh, golfing in a, in a charity golf tournament on Monday and he was wearing a whoop. So, you know, we spent, you know, an hour probably throughout the day talking about mm -hmm. whoop, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't do the journal. I'm like, dude, you got to do the journal. I'm like mm -hmm. the, the monthly stuff you get at the end of the month of just tell yeah. me what, what helps my sleep, what hurts it, what helps my yeah. recovery, what doesn't. But for yeah. somebody that doesn't listen uh, or doesn't, I'm sorry, doesn't wear a whoop that talk about that breathing thing. Like how important is that throughout your day? I can't yeah. track it because I don't wear one, but if I did, what's that doing for me? Yeah, you know, it's 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 such a um I suppose simple intervention and I and I think that what's really powerful about our breath is it's always with us, you know, and and yeah. we can kind of be, you know, make conscious choices of uh around how we breathe for the most part. Um you know, I think we want to try to nasal breathe as often as possible. So if you kind of notice yourself walking around with your mouth open and you're not talking or eating, 
uh, close your mouth. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, there are like tape that you can wear over your it's mouth. It's literally um, going to be one of my questions. So, yeah, um, which can be super helpful when you're trying to build a habit. Um, you know, my son uh, and my daughter both, uh, you know, had to, were kind of mouth breathers. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so taping the mouth when they're just watching a TV show or on, you know, or doing homework or whatever. Hmm. Um, but I think becoming a uh, nasal breather is very, very important um, and a very strong relationship between uh, cardiovascular health and um, your ability to sleep at night. Um, so managing kind of breath throughout the day is very, very important. So you want to become a nasal breather. Um, and then uh, I think on top of that, um, we want to make sure that, and, and this is related, but uh, slightly different, we want to make sure that we're um, I guess with every bout of kind of stress that we incur over the course of the day. So let's say, you know, even though we both perceive this as, as good stress, we still need to recover from it. Right. right um, right. so, you know, after the session doing, you know, 30 seconds of, ex, you know, slow paced breathing is a great way to, um, uh, kind of deactivate the nervous system, right? So even though your stress is really low right now, you're still like slightly more activated than you would sure. you know, maybe in another scenario, right? Where you're not engaged and like thinking. And um, so you want to just make sure that over the course of the day, you're having these activated moments, which is awesome and important. And then you're mapping it with appropriate levels of deactivation. So we're talking about it from an autonomic nervous system perspective, right? So if you're constantly activated, right? And not mapping that activation with moments of deactivation, you end up building stress. And, and these are just kind of acute moments, but they end up being kind of, uh, uh, they end up becoming kind of, it becomes more chronic stress, right? If we're not yeah. managing it, right? We can, our body right. can only uh, manage activation for so long. So, you know, mapping that activation with moments of, of deactivation with 30 seconds of just uh, a shorter inhale, extended exhale, um, you can do in through the nose, out through the mouth or into the nose, out through the nose, um, you know, for 30 seconds, you know, four or five times a day will actually go a long, long way to helping mitigate that negative stress accumulation and most important, help you fall asleep and stay asleep at night. Yeah. See, I love this because, you know, I talk a lot about meditation that, that really helped me get through a, I'm a very, I was still am very anxious person, a lot of nerves. Right. But yeah. the, um, meditation changed my life. I mean, it literally changed my life of being able to look at anxiety as an ally, as a friend, it's probably never going to go away, but now mm -hmm. how to control it. But I've also learned, you know, when I'm in stressful situations, just maybe you're in a meeting is that breathing part is you can quote unquote, meditate or breathe, you know, and lower that heart rate in a meeting, right? Without somebody even knowing that you're doing that. And I think it's just so critically important. I love hearing you talk about it. And because we we take it for granted, right? We wake up, we're breathing. We go to sleep, we're breathing. And in the middle of the night, we're breathing. It's like you just do it. But the more you consciously focus on it, the better it is and the better you can perform throughout your day. Yeah. And and I think it's just uh, under its... I think underrated as like such an important like key to health. You yeah. know, it, it's like it, it's the barrier to entry is actually really low. You know, like we just literally practice closing our mouth. Like, yeah, you know, I I, I don't you know have the the actual numbers of of how that actually helps our health span, but it it's it's pretty massive. Um, especially given how much we breathe, right? We want to yeah. make sure that we're yeah. breathing properly, right? We we haven't, you know, we're not um 
you know, a lot of this mouth breathing is, is just a function of modernity, right? So, um, yeah, we just need to get, get back to nasal breathing. Um, and yeah, and I, and I think, you know, it, it's our, our muscles will work more effectively. Our brain is going to work more effectively. Um, you know, every organ cell tissue in our body is going to yeah. um, work more effectively. So yeah, nasal breathing is, is I think, uh, right. really important. And then, and then that breath work. Yeah. Well, it's cool because I've seen more and more people, you know, tape their mouth and do all that mm -hmm. stuff, either while they're sleeping or while they're working out. Yep. And while I was yeah. you know, Instagram stalking you, getting my research for today, <laughs> I, you know, I saw you did one like, I don't know, three and a half years ago. You were yeah, working before out. Before it was Vogue. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I'm like, all right, there's something to this. If she's doing this three plus years ago, I'm like, all right, there's something there. Yeah. Yeah. And That's I, good. you know, I've totally, yeah. I mean, at this point, like I, I don't have to tape my mouth anymore, but yeah, I was trying to actually, I was taping it during uh weight session. So where I really struggle to kind of uh, keep my mouth closed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of, yeah. So that, that was a, a post run about to get into my weight session. Um, and yeah, I was just trying to kind of ramp up the, uh, I guess, difficulty, um, just by focusing on nasal breathing. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Uh, let's talk about synchronizing our circadian rhythm. Uh, mm. What that means. Why is that so important? Let's talk about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is another one, I think, right with breathing that I think people don't necessarily uh, maybe understand or think about or, or realize like how powerful of a lever it is to improving really every aspect of, of human health. Um, so our bodies are naturally, um, want to naturally align to the light dark cycle. So, you know, right now it's day time. So the right. sun is out. Um, and my body is taking in cues from the environment. Um, it's taking in cues from my behaviors as well. So when I eat, when I go to bed, when I wake up, um, uh, when I exercise, you know, when is that moment, those moments of stress, when is that the moments of relaxation? So all of these things are, are really, um, are, are the cues, the, the most important cues that, um, are going to tell my body, um, uh, my cells, my tissues, my organs, what it is they need to do. And when we are behaving out of sync to the light dark cycle that has, that puts enormous uh, stress on my system. Mm. Uh, so you can think about when I'm aligned. So that's it's you know it's the daytime and I'm getting lots of natural light. Um, my body's really happy and it feels safe because it's yeah. it's what it's what is it being what my body's expecting endogenously is being kind of confirmed and validated with what's happening externally. So there's we call that circadian alignment um, when I am. Um, awake, for example, when my body thinks it should be sleeping, uh, that puts huge amounts of stress on my body. And as a result, my body feels unsafe. And when your body feels unsafe, it activates the sympathetic branch of the nervous system. So think cortisol, adrenaline, right? Like yeah. we, we need that. We need that activation in certain moments during the day but we don't want it during when during the night when we should be sleeping. Yeah. So um, so that's just one example of kind of desynchronization. And we know from the literature, the extensive literature, when we are when our circadian rhythms are desynchronized, um, that leads to all sorts of deleterious health outcomes. So we know that um, 
you know, I'll, I'll save some of the really morbid uh, night shift worker uh, yeah. data because I know it's like such. I've a, read those studies that you guys put in the the in your deal. Yeah, terrible. I it's really tough, and um, you know, there's other levers that I think that people can kind of pull to offset some of those negative effects of being awake during, um, you know, the biological night. But um, but bottom line, folks want to try to um, create as much synchronization as much alignment with kind of um, the natural light dark cycle. So that's kind of number one. Um, so, you know, morning, you want to get as much natural light as humanly possible. Um, you know, and it doesn't take that much, but get yourself outside, you know, within an hour of waking up, you want, you know, five to 20 minutes, I, you know, an hour if you can swing and I, and I know that's not practical for everyone, but, um, but do your best to get outside. Um, that's going to set off a, a, just a cascade of, um, I guess, information that, that, you know, to your cells and your tissues and organs that are going to tell them what it is that they need to do, that it's time to be awake. Um, this is really important information um, to kind of keep you uh, healthy. Um, the next piece, the next circadian kind of lever is at, when the sun goes down, you want to restrict light. Um, I think it's important for folks to know, to understand that we actually haven't adapted as a species to um, blue light after the sun goes down. Um, again, we think about it, if our, if our anchor principle is about, all right, make, helping my body feel safe, um, yep. um, it, this is a, a core component. When I am exposing myself to a lot of bright artificial light after the sun goes down, again, my body doesn't feel safe. I don't end up um, producing melatonin, which is the, the kind of hormone of darkness. Um, and uh, melatonin only gets only gets released when um, there is darkness. So if I am exposing myself to huge amounts of artificial light, it's going to be really hard to fall asleep. And melatonin isn't just about making me fall asleep. It has neuroprotective um, uh, uh, effects. It um, Melatonin uh, reduces cancer proneness. It it has just a, a wide ranging um, impact on, on our kind of health. And, and, and when we're depriving ourselves of, of that, we're, um, you know, that will come at a, a huge cost. Um, so light and managing light is kind of the number one, I think, circadian behavior. The second piece um, of information that our body is trying to, um, to uh, align to is when you're eating your meals. Uh, you want to try to eat all your calories when the sun is up, ideally. Um, that is when our, our body is most primed to metabolize food, and that is when it's expecting to have to digest food. When you eat outside of the um, of of daylight hours again, that it, it's metabolically it's very expensive. Um, your body has to work, you know, exponentially harder uh, um, to metabolize that food because it's just it's it's not interested in digesting food. It's interested in deactivating and resting. Yeah. Um, and we see at population levels data on MOOP when folks report that they're eating um, food within two hours of bed we see huge negative impacts on sleep. So their ability to drop into deeper stages of sleep, we see a negative impact on recovery, markers of recovery. So heart rate and, and resting heart rate, respiratory rate. Um, so time-restricted eating is what we kind of call it. We call it consolidating uh, and time-restricted eating is different than fasting. Fasting has a caloric restriction component. This is really just consolidating all of your calories within um, a, a window of time, eight, 10, 12 hours, ideally when the sun is up. Yeah. So that's like the second lever that's like really critical. And then um, the final lever that I'll, I'll note is just, you know, going to bed and waking up at consistent times. And what will enable you to do that is 
uh, restricting light after the sun goes down and seeing light first thing when you wake up. Um, and when you do that, uh, you will fall asleep and stay asleep generally, um, have just this beautiful restorative sleep for the most part. Um, so, but sleeping, stabilizing sleep wake time, um, you know, and we see in our data, you know, for every minute after 45 minutes um, of variability of when you go to bed and when you wake up, we see uh, decreases in um, heart rate variability, which is negative and increases in resting heart rate. So you want to try to, yeah. So you want to try to keep that window of variability as narrow as possible in terms of when you wake up and when you go to bed. Um, yeah. You don't want to have like, you know, you don't want it to be, you know, an hour, two hours, three hours. Like you want to try to keep that band as, as narrow as possible. Yeah. It, it's uh, so I'm on the insights on the whoop tab or the whoop uh, app in uh, it, it's funny. So a couple of them I want to go through. So to, yeah. to confirm what you're saying there, obviously you're much smarter than I am and you don't need my confirmation, but my consistent wait time is 8% added to my recovery and my consistent bedtime is 5%. You know, so those may not sound like a big deal to people, but five to eight wow. percent is a big number, right? That's that's significant. That's clinically significant. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Those are huge, huge changes. Yeah. And and so and then uh, the other one, and this is one of the biggest helpers for me. And you guys do that nice little push and notification, like tell me, hey Brett, you know, go to bed. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, yeah. And so sometimes yeah. I'm like, shut up, whoop. You know, I don't want to hear. I know. It. I know. I need to go to bed. Right. I know. But, I know. But the I watch sleep the, performance, one more, right? One more show. Yeah, 75% yeah, plus sleep performance was 7%. So that's controllable, mm -hmm. control the controllables, right? So now I know yeah. if I just put myself to bed like you would a child, I'm going to be better off tomorrow, you know? And yeah. so the, the one that I'm that I'm fascinated by all the time is um, a device in bed. I give myself some time, not every night, but sometimes mm -hmm. 10 to 20% or 10 to 20 minutes of time with my phone, maybe just brainlessly scroll or whatever. I have a 4% more recovery, better recovery when I get my device versus not having my device. That one's weird to me. Hmm. Now yeah, I'm usually sometimes. wearing blue light blocking glasses. So I don't know if that is offsetting it. I don't know, but it's it, weird. It for sure is. Yeah. So I think, I think if we're wearing blue light blocking glasses, the lights generally are kind of dim and we've got, you know, the, on the phone, we've got the, yeah. um, you know, the filters on, yep. uh, that will definitely no question that, that, uh, I will, I will say that I don't know if it mitigates the, the impact entirely, but as long as you're falling asleep, not having a hard time falling asleep and you're staying asleep, um, oftentimes we'll fall asleep, but then we'll end up with fragmented sleep. So I would look at your sleep quality, um, on the days where, um, okay. Because sleep performance is more of just a function. You said that it it's related. It says uh, it improves sleep performance. What was the metric that it improved? It uh, let's go back to it. Um, performed a positive impact, accounting other four percent impact uh, on my recovery. On recovery, okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see kind of how it might impact. Uh, the quality of your sleep because we know that but then these are correlations right it's not causation um so right. i just keep you know keep that in mind and you know we're not able to kind of perfectly constrain our models necessarily so you know there's going to be some where you're like oh wow this is interesting yeah. um but that said like you know what scrolling for you is relaxing like it's yeah. you're kind of checking a 
meant some sort of mental box that's important. And as a result, like, you know, it doesn't have a negative impact. So right. when you are able to kind of go through and, and part of it too is routine. Like, I think it's like, we've got this stack of behaviors in the lead up to bed that are going to either promote our, our sleep and recovery, or they're, they're not going to promote our sleep and yeah. recovery. So that is just a behavior that, um, yeah, that seems to not have a negative yeah. impact. Um, I'd be interested on, on how it impacts. And, sleep, and it's but, worth, yeah. As we're thinking about it, talking about it, it's, it also makes me think too, is like, that's maybe the one time in my day where I'm not you know doing something for work or doing something. No one needs care. you. Yeah. Nobody needs me. It's just like, I, I call it yeah. Brett time, right? It's like, this is, I can yeah. just chill. Right. And just kind of brainlessly yeah. look at something and it's people I enjoy to follow. Right. I get, I get inspired. Yep. So um, yeah, that, that's absolutely. probably that. So that's good stuff. Um, let's dive into, if we can, a little bit about uh, cold plunge versus sauna. Uh, we talked about obviously the importance of sleep, but I wrote down cold plunge, mm. sauna, sleep, hydration, movement. Those are all, you know, critically important to anybody that yeah. wants to you know do anything in life, but talk about the cold plunge versus the sauna. Okay. So I, this is, yeah, so this would be part of the physiology lectures talking about this um, concept of hormesis. Um, and everyone should kind of understand that, that concept is basically what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And, and that's really what's happening with sauna. Uh, you know, these extreme temperatures, um, you know, sauna and cold plunge are kind of creating uh, this phenomenon that's called hormesis. It's, it's a stress. You're, you're stressing the, the body um, in a, in a functional way, um, that's, uh, that allows you to, um, basically, uh, adapt to future stress in a more functional way. So mm. it's kind of like, you know, so you want to, uh, for organisms, like it's really important that they undergo certain amounts of stress. And, and frankly, modernity has like a removed so much of that stress. And as a result, we have become, I think a lot softer um yeah. um the comfort crisis michael easter um i actually just talked to him the other day he's like such a fascinating man but um but i you know i think that we need to that's why i think you see this emergence of like you know people engaging in sauna and cold plunge because you know we just don't actually get enough stress uh, that type of stress throughout yeah. the day like environmental right. stress right yes. Um, and, and what I'm talking about is, you know, kind of extreme heat and, and extreme cold and like our body having to kind of adapt and work through that is actually, uh, is, is important. And so, um, that said, there are, there is a point of diminishing return in both of these modalities. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, sauna, I think the recommendation is, you know, four, four, four by 20 minutes at, um, I think, you know, 180 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, will elicit, you know, tons of positive effects on, um, on, on the system. Yeah. Um, and cold plunge, uh, I think very simply, you know, I think if you, I think you, it's really not that cold, like you can do 59 degrees or less, um, you know, the, the colder, probably the shorter amount of time, I think 59 degrees, you probably need to spend five or six minutes in a in temperature like that to kind of elicit the, the effect. Um, but from what we've seen, you know, uh, 12 minutes per week, um, divided into kind of four sessions, uh, uh, where you're, you know, kind of shocking the system, um, cold shock, heat shock, uh, there's lots of, you know, you release endorphins and, um, uh, you know, so there's like a cascade of, of really positive, um, 
you know, neural biological kind of components that um, that I think pe get people to come keep coming back to these modalities. Uh, it's like painful as you're doing it, especially yeah. the cold. But um, but afterwards, you know, you get this like, you know, hit a dopamine Amazing. and yeah, and you feel really good. But but really what that what that does. And, and I think when we talk, when we think about this principally, you know, there's just a bunch of behaviors that we can engage in that um, kind of stress our, our system in, in, a, in, a, in a way that's going to allow us to adapt to future stress um, more, more functionally. So yeah. I think when we think about cold and hot like that, it, there's an immune, immunoprotective um, element to that as well. So we're increasing our resilience, right, by undergoing this kind of short-term intentional uh, temporary stress, yeah. right? And it's important that like me, me getting thrown into a 32 degree lake um, off a boat without knowing, I mean, and, and not knowing if I can recover from that, that is not good stress, right? Like that's, right, right. that's, that's so what I'm talking about is, is really intentionally kind of, you know, choosing these modalities. Um, so that intention I think is, is, is kind of part of the, the package, but, yeah. um, but yeah, really core, you mentioned hydration. Um, we also see that relate really strongly yeah. to recovery when people are under, under hydrated, um, we see, uh, you know, that impact recovery really significantly so just yeah getting you know it's just like an ounce for every you know pound of of uh for you know you know per pound is, is yeah. kind of prescription if you're working out a lot yeah um, so if 170 pounds i gotta i gotta drink 170 170 yeah and it's probably like maybe 0. 0.7 0. 0.6 just depends on your activity yeah. well if you're not like out and about a ton um and yeah. working out hard yeah i'd say 0. 0.6 0. 0.7 got it yeah. per perfect let's uh let's talk about this new book you've got Oh. Speaking of that, we'll take a water break here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, no. Um, yeah. So I, I actually I wrote um, uh, a poem for my daughter uh, for for uh, Christmas, and it was entitled "Yes," and it was just kind of all the lessons I had kind of learned in my life. Um, but but more um, uh, not all the lessons, but um, just around, you know, how do we how do we think about um, what what we what do we what do we say yes to and 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 in in and I kind of try to put a positive spin. We talk all about like oh what are we saying no to, and I just wanted like kind of a set of principles for her where she can kind of think about all right what are the things that we actually say yes to, um, and you know you know yes to the curves of the pedals the great problems she want to solve like you know so it was really around like you know saying yes to the great problems you want to solve, like, you know, saying, you know, and so it was like kind of an emotional um, kind of journey, you know, for me to kind of, I think, write this, write this book. Um, but it started out just as, you know, really a poem and I, I framed it for my daughter and, um, you know, and she was like, mom, she's like, I really think other girls would really benefit from these messages. And, wow. and uh, yeah, which is like, so sweet of her to say. And, and she's like, you should put this into a little book. And so um, I started working on the illustrations and um, yeah, and and just, uh, yeah, just published it a, a month ago. I love it. I love it. I know yeah. it's on your Instagram bio that you can uh, find a link there and buy that on Amazon. So we'll put that in the show notes and how cool, I mean, you think about even the mindset there, like, I mean, you just kind of set it, mm -hmm. it like it's just normal in your household. Your daughter's like, put that into a book. I mean, think about that, right? Like, yeah, not everybody just thinks about, hey, let's take a poem and turn it into a book. Like anything yeah. is possible, right? I mean, yeah. that's a big deal. 
it's a really yeah. yeah it was it was really a really sweet moment I yeah and I, and I don't know I never really asked her like kind of why she said that but I, I think she was just you know I I feel like it resonated with her and and yeah. I think she was like yeah they're other girls could really benefit from this message but yeah it was it's it's neat that she kind of um like put an action to it you know yeah it's kind of it's awesome know, kind of cool. awesome well, i got a thousand more questions that i could ask but i know you've you're a busy person so let's uh do one more question here i got your instagram up i'm gonna have you we call this the instagram game so you're gonna pick a number between one and ten okay uh seven Okay, six, oops. Uh, okay, now between one and three. Uh, two. All right, number two is uh, right here. If you remember this, Legacy Expeditions, it says. It says Legacy okay. Expeditions <laughs> team consisting mainly of former U.S. Special Operations Services members will attempt to skydive into all seven continents in seven days while trying to raise $7 million for Folds of Honor. So mm -hmm. talk to us about the importance of that post and uh, and talk about that. Yeah, so Legacy Expeditions is just this incredible, uh, uh, I suppose it's company um, owned by uh, former special operators. And the the whole goal is to kind of create these expeditions where they can you know shine a light on in this case folds of honor um, you know kind of create these really grueling expeditions that kind of give uh, those former special operators you know a sense of purpose and mission um, so kind of doing hard things is kind of what they uh, are, are kind of trained to do and when they separate from um, from you know their you know whatever armed force they were kind of serving um sometimes that can be really hard so there's kind of a component of you know kind of doing something hard with a team so yeah. there's there's that fulfillment and then um and then secondly you know because it's like a grueling mission um it gets lots of press and um they're able to leverage that press to raise money for in this case folds of honor which is um an incredible organization that raises um money uh gives money to uh families who um have had a uh, uh, it, it's, they've now extended to tactical athletes too. So firefighters, police, women, men, um, you know, armed, armed forces. Um, so if they've had a, uh, you know, a death, um, of, of a parent, the child can, um, uh, be the benefit of, yeah. of the educational. Of phenomenal. Yeah. So it's Colonel Dan so Rooney. I, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so I did for this team, I did, um, I did the physiology. So I kind of helped them understand, uh, you know, uh, how to prepare for this mission, um, just using the data. And then um, we did a whole analysis of the data over the course of their mission to kind of just see what was happening physiologically in terms of strain and recovery and sleep. Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, seven, seven days, uh, seven continents, uh, seven jumps. Uh, so it was, it, was, it was pretty amazing. Awesome. Well, I lied and said, I got one more question. You can see it okay. here in my microphone, F greater than P. Your future is greater than your past. That's our mission statement, uh, our firm. So when you hear that, I'm helping people achieve a future greater than their past. I believe that's exactly what WHOOP is doing. Uh, it's yeah. exactly what you are doing. So what comes to mind when you hear that? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I go back to like, you know, one of the reasons why I joined WHOOP is I wanted to impact health at scale. Um, and, and I think a lot of what we actually, what I do today, the choices I make today are going to position me 
and my future self, either in a positive um, way yeah. or, or a negative way. And, and I think just the relationship between, you know, it's like what happened yesterday doesn't, you know, it's just, there's not a whole lot I can matter. do about it, but, but, but today I have a ton of control um, over the things that I, I do. And I understand that that's, you know, there's a lot of privilege that comes with that. Um, but I, I think I've organized my life and I've worked hard and I've basically kind of created a scenario where I have a lot of choice in what I do and, um, and how I live and how I treat other people. And, um, I can make, you know, choices that are going to help my future self or, or not. And, um, and I, I, so I suppose that's kind of what I think about when I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love that. Awesome. Well, Kristen, thanks yeah. so much for being on the circuit of success. I mean, amazing takeaways for me today. I took a couple pages of notes and uh, <laughs> hopefully people will run out and get a whoop and they'll understand that. Now, obviously I get paid nothing for that. I just, I think it's an amazing thing to do. And uh, it's, it's just, it's really helped change my life and make my choices uh, to be better every single day. It's what you want. I love it. Well, it's so, thanks so much for being with you. us. Yeah. Thanks for all your good work.